What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Collective Network. My name is John Croom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review as it really helps out a lot. Um, but anyways, on this week's episode, we sit down with Chris Schroeder of Diamond Factory Racing. We talk all things gravel, and honestly, we end up talking about this opportunity for athletes to guest ride for his program where he's going to fully fund it. It sounds like he's starting a professional gravel team and he wants to support these athletes financially, support these athletes with pretty much anything he can support wise, whether it's equipment, um, you know, getting to the races, giving advice at the races. And so, yeah, we kind of sit down and I chat to him about his project and kind of how you can get yourself involved. So Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. But first, let's hear a quick message from the sponsors. Back from another week of podcast ads is Sierra Nevada Brewing. Guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you go to sierranevadabrewing.com. Check them out. Make sure you go get my favorite Torpedo IPA. And uh, yeah, sit down and chill and listen to those podcasts and uh, enjoy it. But I'm also a huge fan of their Hazy IPA which uh, I will be getting when I get back to the States. Um, but anyways, yeah, check out SierraNevada.com, SierraNevadaBrewing.com, and uh, yeah, get yourself a, a brew today. Also back for another episode is Twisted Spoke CBD. Twisted Spoke CBD makes some of the best CBD products on the market. My favorite is, you know, the peppermint tincture that you can use at night to get the best night's sleep and uh, get fully recovered and ready for your next day. And uh, yeah, last time I was using it and being tested, I had no issues. So if that's something that you're worried about, don't hesitate to reach, reach out to Twisted Spoke CBD and get informed. Um, all you have to do is go to TwistedSpokeCBD.com. That's TwistedSpokeCBD.com. Other than that, that's it for the podcast ads for the week. Let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. I'm here, sitting here with Chris Schroeder uh, from uh, Untamed Cycling, but races for Diamond Factory Racing as of this year. Uh, Chris, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. It's morning here, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Big fan of the show, and just happy to be here. No, no, it's sick. Um, I've been running 100 miles a minute. I know you've you've reached out to me a few times about wanting to get on the show, and I've been like trying to find the perfect time to get you on the show. And yeah, today, today is that day, my friend. Today is that day. But anyways, tell us a tell us a little bit about you and 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 kind of how you find yourself in gravel cycling. I mean, I met you, I think, uh, I want to say it was at that race in uh, Pueblo, I think, uh, in like uh, early October. I think it was pre-COVID, um, maybe October. Damn, what was that? Was it the one where I like face planted on one of the descents? Yep, yep. That was. No, I think that was like I think it was like tail end of COVID. I think that was like late 2020. Or not tail end of COVID, but the back end of like that, the main. Man, that's kind of weird to think about. No, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's weird because I don't know what it was because I know we weren't wearing masks. I know that much, right? Well, we were in Pueblo, so I don't That's know how big masks were ever there. But well, you know, it's just like it, it feels like this is stuck for so long. Anyways, that's when I met you, and so um, I guess diving into that, um, yeah, kind of tell me tell me a little bit about you, your program, and how you end up doing what you're doing. So, I guess kind of like right now, I'm the owner of Diamond Factory Racing, which 
kind of came to be through this kind of career journey I had through sports. In 2015, I uh, kind of accomplished this goal of becoming a professional triathlete, which I had spent a large chunk of my life kind of chasing. And then raced as a professional triathlete from 2015 all the way to about March 2020. And it was a great time in my life and it was a big chapter of my life. Ultimately, I never quite had the like the result success that I had always hoped for, but I really enjoyed the process of racing and I kind of always was always striving and enjoying it. And I traveled the world and I raced in uh, five different continents and God knows how many different countries. And while doing that, I always really enjoyed the business side of the sport. I really felt like I thrived in kind of the sponsorship hunt and the journey that kind of goes along with getting sponsors and getting the financial support you need to do the sport. But towards the end of 2019, I um, broke, I had a bike crash and I broke both my elbows and my hand. And it kind of happened right at this point where I was at like the best shape I had ever been in like the week of a race. And it really kind of crushed me. And I just never quite got back into the, like the swing of things really mentally. So then going into 2020, I was like, you know, I've been doing this for a while. My hunger is starting to fade, but let's see what happens. And we went and decided to do it my first full Ironman distance. So I went and raced Ironman New Zealand, which was March like 15th, 2020. So I went there and while I was there, I just kind of got to this point where I was like, you know what? I'm in New Zealand. It's a beautiful place. I'm with this lovely family. I'm about to do this event and there's nowhere. I would rather be anywhere else, but here. Like, I just don't want to be here. I don't want to do this race. I don't want to do my, my runs for shaking out. I don't really want to do it. I was just super burnt out at the time. And, but I was kind of at this weird spot because um, going in 2020, I had signed like the biggest contracts I have ever signed in my career in terms of like support. And I had a lot of people behind me and it felt like I, I kind of had to race and had to put on this face to kind of make them happy, even though I didn't really want to be there. Yeah. And it was made even worse by the fact that about a month earlier in February, I had went and done a gravel event and had a great time, really kind of inspired me and I had a great result there. So I'm in New Zealand, I'm doing all this stuff leading to this race and I just mentally am not there. I just, I wanna go home, I wanna ride my bike, I wanna hang out with friends and I kind of wanna test more of this gravel thing. So the race in New Zealand happens, I come back, I'm kind of depressed, I'm a little sad. I don't really know what to do in my life, I feel super stuck and then bang. The world shuts down like three days later and then all of a sudden triathlon as a sport just disappears i uh, triathlon is controlled really by two big brands iron man which everyone's heard of and then this other brand named challenge iron man just completely ceased all events you know every now and then one would pop up on the calendar in 2020 they'd be like oh this is happening it never happened so for me it was kind of this great gift of the sport I don't want to do now doesn't exist. Now I don't have to do it, but all these sponsors who are paying us need some sort of reason for me to exist. So I, in that kind of chaos, I was able to kind of form this idea of, Hey, there's a couple gravel events happening in the Midwest in like June, 2020. I'm going to slow roll this and kind of introduce my sponsors about this alternative sport that isn't triathlon that is getting a lot of traction. There's a lot of buzz around it. And that kind of started to go well. And kind of through that, I was able to kind of slowly transition my current sponsors and myself into 
pure gravel and not triathlon at all. So it was kind of a nice slow transition. And then at kind of the end of 2020, um, I was talking with my now fiance about, you know, if I'm going to stop doing triathlon, what's the reason behind going to gravel? Is it just a means to an end or what are we doing here? Because the reality is when you're in triathlon, everyone's a privateer. Yeah. A lot of you cycling people probably know like, all right, like you hear about teams and you hear about the individuals and their privateers in triathlon. Everyone's a privateer. There's no teams. So we just a pro triathlete is just a pro triathlete. But what that means is you go out and you get your sponsors, but then the day your career ends, everything you've worked for sponsorship wise is gone that same day. Nothing remains. You have no, it, that's it. I didn't want that when I went into gravel. I was like, I want all this effort to be for something. I, I love what I do. I love negotiating sponsor deals. I get a lot of like personal satisfaction from it. So I wanted to be for something. So we decided, you know what, let's try and start a professional gravel team, but let's look at this purely from a business perspective. I don't want to look at this at, from any other perspective than what's the best business way to do it. And I came up with this, what you kind of now see happening now of this backwards model for a team where I'm going to build the back end, I'm going to build the infrastructure, and then I'm going to bring in the athletes later down the line. Because that's where I saw the value was in being able to have effectively a production company that doubles as a cycling team. I want to have this kind of plug and play operation for making any content completely sustained in the and then once that's all in place and the sponsors start to recognize it and the money starts to come in then I wanted to go out and get athletes to kind of fill those spaces instead of the traditional model which is I would call it like a jersey spammer team you know you see it on the domestic elite side a lot where it's just a team gets you know some clothing company gives them 10 jerseys so they go and find 10 people who want a free jersey yeah and the value is there kind of initially they get a little pop, but they plateau very quickly. There's not a growth side. And then by not having the infrastructure in the back end, they're not able to grow anyway, because it's just not there. So well, that was kind of the of solution. It, that... Well, from the sounds of it, it sounds like you're just not rushing the process. <clears throat> we, right? Yeah, so we wanted to like... go really slow. I think that you see a lot of teams that do rush way too quickly out of the gate. And it's kind of their undoing just because they miss some key component and then they're not able to kind of handle it once it happens. So that was kind of the, one of the reasons that we are going very slow with this. In fact, this weekend, um, if you're listening, Boulder Bay is this weekend. I don't really know when this is going to come out, but yeah, yeah, this will be our first weekend of bringing on an outside rider. We're bringing on a, okay. a woman to guest ride for us. And it's the first time this happening in the team's short history but it's a big step and we're taking it very seriously in the sense of like, you know, we have our videographer flying in, we have our photographer that's based in Boulder and we're kind of all coming around this guest rider to really kind of step and kind of test the waters of, okay, like if we bring a rider in, these are everything we've set up around it. How's it all going to happen? Are we going to be able to get the content we need? Are we going to be able to support the rider to make sure she performs it her best? Just to kind of like test it all out, which is a big step. Cause then we hope to kind of, if this goes well, I think we have contracted two guest rider spots for Unbound, which is a much bigger deal. So we want to make sure we, all right, let's test out this guest rider thing here in Boulder. It's very controlled, very safe. And then let's bring it to the big show. So are you guys, are you guys, <clears throat> like, are you racing any of those races? 
Yeah, I'm still racing. This year will probably be my last year of Chris Schroeder, the racer hat. I'll always race, but kind of moving on from this year, I'll be much more of a, a manager kind of, I don't know what the cycling term is, DS. Yeah, yeah. Team principal. I don't know. I can put okay. whatever name I want, CEO. Yeah, yeah. And so then, and so who's the ride? Can we know who the riders are that are guest riding or no? So for this weekend, uh, it's a girl named Tori. She's, you're not going to have heard of her, which is very intentional. Very undiscovered, raw talent out of Fort Collins. She just finished her master's program at Colorado State University. Has done one or two road races, you know, a year, the last couple of years. But as she only has done one or two, she's done them as a cat four and has absolutely dominated. I mean, for the example, this past weekend, she did this race in Cobb Lake. Started in the cat four field, went off the front, caught the cat three women's field, went on to lap the cat four field on like a seven mile loop and lap the cat three field on a seven mile loop. Absolute dominant. Wow, yeah. We're running into some problems with USA Cycling where they will not upgrade her early, despite it's not like her racing cat fours aren't competitive. So uh-huh. we're still race week kind of trying to find a way for them to just let her do the P12 race. Um, the reality is she's strong enough where she would probably be able to win it or at least be right there. She's lacking a little bit of that developed knowledge of like race situation just because she's never not been able to dominate. So I kind of wanted to see those. That's what those categories are for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the reality is like four and three for her, just the women's fields domestically in like the Colorado bubble, there's not a ton of depth there and they're not very big fields. So the strength is, isn't really there changing, but the two fields, at least like regionally are to a point where she'll be challenged. Well, isn't the, isn't usually the one, two, three field for the women combined. They don't have it. This is for Boulder Bay. It's the th- women's threes are their own field, sadly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so, that's probably to give them the opportunity to get these upgrade points. Yeah. But the problem is that with upgrade points on for USA cycling are on a sliding scale. So for these women's fields, the cat threes, especially are the smallest field. It's, I think there's less than 11 people and 11 is kind of the starting number for the really like where you get some big chunk of points for winning. I think under 11, it's like three points to win yeah. out of 30, 31, 32 points that you need to upgrade. And then you if you need that many to go from a four to a three, I mean, from three to two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just a slow process, but we wanted to kind of see how she does in this atmosphere especially like saying, like, what does she do if she's under any sort of pressure in the race? You know, how does she adapt? How does she change? Which would kind of give us a perspective of, especially going into gravel where a lot of things can go wrong and there'd be controversy during the event. Just how would this athlete kind of handle the situation? Yeah. Cause I definitely think that she's talented enough. It's just kind of like, let's see how mature she is. Is kind of my question mark of why we're doing this guest writer program this year before we sign actual athletes going to 23. So who do you have, who do you have going to unbound for you? We haven't, we haven't figured it out yet. Honestly. Oh, okay. So you just have the no, spots. We have two spots and it's actually really hard to find athletes. Like, we have support and all this stuff that can go around the athletes coming. The problem is finding athletes that are willing and able. And both of those are pretty hard. Like the willingness is all right. Like, do you want to take this chunk out of your season and come race unbound? And then the able is like a lot of these athletes I'm approaching have, they're either on like a domestic elite team that 
won't allow them to race in another jersey or they're they have some other kind of sponsor that they have to wear that sponsor's kit so i'm bumping into a lot of these kind of just um these problems we're kind of trying to find solutions i'm working with like my current sponsors to be like hey like can you you know reaching out to teams and stuff that they sponsor to see if any uh of those women would like be interested in guest riding and just kind of on that so basis is it mainly I'm, women that you're looking for or are you looking for men as well no i predominantly want this team to kind of grow a little bit more on the female side the the roi investing in women is a lot higher than with men you just get okay. a lot more return uh so that's kind of like another of the strategies well we have four spots to 2023 i would expect three of them to probably go to women and i'll probably bring on one guy that way i at least have someone to hang out with yeah yeah it's kind of my thoughts there cool yeah and so well i guess i mean if you're having issues let's talk about it on the podcast like yeah you know what what would they look for like what would they get so let's say you're talking to me you want me to come to unbound so, how would you approach me i guess more or less so if i was I'd be like, hey, John, I'm really interested in having you come and guest ride for Unbound. What we're looking at right now is this team is targeting the Unbound 100 event. We're doing that because we feel that we don't want you to spend so much time investing in the 200. We'd rather you target the 100 and winning it as there is a good media pop from it. It's very appropriate. And the most likely scenario is that you'll be in the race at some point, which is good. So we want to support you doing that. Here's what I can offer you. John, we have brands that will be there to support you. So we're going to have you on Kenda tires. Vision's going to be there to make sure that your bike's up and running and we'll give you an upgrade package for what needs to be upgraded on your bike. We're going to have a team mechanic there. So before the race and during the pit stops, we're going to be able to take care of you there. We're going to give you the spot. We're going to give you all the clothing you need. We're going to feed you during the race, after, before, whatever. The hiccup. There's nowhere to stay in Unbound. Our team is camping at the fairgrounds. If you are good with camping, awesome. We're gonna, we'll book you. We'll bring a tent for you. You can camp with us and the Kenda crew. That's pretty much what I offer. What I can also do on the back end is we produce a lot of content for you. So to help your own personal brand after this race, we'll give you a mountain of photos. You're gonna be heavily featured in all the video content that we do around the event. And uh, kind of if there's any sort of one-off things that you might need help with. We're definitely there to kind of help problem solve with you. That's more or less my pitch. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that sounds kind of legit. It's, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, when I did unbound 100 last year, it was just kind of like, Hey, here's an entry, go for it. You know? So like, uh, and I found, I found my crew day of pretty much. And, uh, yeah, you can't take a mechanic. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much your, like it's day of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is crazy to think about how much media pop you get from the 100 mile. Um, I mean, I got third place and I got recognized more for that than a lot of the things I did last year. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of saw that for myself too, of like, there's a chance I could be competitive in the 100. There's a very small chance that I could ever be competitive in the 200, just given the caliber and just a blatant honesty there. So the, why would I invest a lot in the 200 with a microscopic possible return versus 
investing a good amount in the 100 with a good chance that I'll get some sort of return on that. Yeah. And the same with the guest writers. I'd rather, I think there's a better chance that I'm gonna get some return on my investment, putting them in the 100 versus the 200. Yeah, I mean, the 100 miles is still hard, you know? It's like, oh, uh, I mean, Stephen Hyde won it, <laughs> you know? So it's I think like, the bigger uh, thing is just that as it's shorter, the chances of like some catastrophic mechanical happening are a little less. Um, within reason, which is just, I mean. Within reason, like you're still on the same course, but it's half the distance. So you have 100 miles less of, you know, hitting staying, a rock super yeah. hard and, you know, um, collapsing a wheel, something like that. Yeah. Uh, even though there is only like, it, it's a little bit, it's just, a little, you know, it's different. Well, the thing is that you're going so much faster Yeah. for those hundred miles, uh, within reason. Like, uh, I think the first hour for the 200 miles is like epically insane. Um, but pretty much after that, it starts to settle in because they are like, well, we got 200 miles or, you know, another 170 miles to go or whatever it is, you know? Um, but yeah, like. I mean, they're still flying. I mean, for them to win, it's like, uh, what was it, like 10, 18 last year or something like that? 10, 19? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, something around that, like 10, 18, 10, 30. I think last year yeah, was actually yeah. considered a slow year. I think Colin won under 10. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it you're – and it's chunky out there. So, it's like it's one of those things where you're playing that game of, like, you know, what – you know, the lines to take. And I mean, you know, I, w I was off the front for the first 70 miles. Stephen Hyde bridged up to me. And then with 80, with 20 miles to go, I flatted, uh, just taking a poor line. And then I had to plug it, fix it and go on with life. And then, you know, second place ended up passing me in that process. And I didn't have the gas to bridge up to second. So, you know, you suck up and you take third, but so anything can happen and anything can happen in the last, 10 miles um yeah i'd be interested to see how it kind of floats this year but i think it's gonna um, be really competitive this year the 100 i think you're gonna see a lot of i think you're gonna see a lot of roadies and stuff that just don't want to put in the insane effort to really be competitive over 200 miles jump in the the 100 and i think you're gonna see them taking the 100 very seriously I just I think that you to, have to put an insane. You still have to put an insane effort in for the 100. Like no, you still I have think to this put year will the be miles. More insane. Like I think this year it's going to be a bigger field. So I just think that the first 50 miles are just going to be a ridiculous pace. Yeah, like I, would, I would expect it to be. I mean, did did you do mid south this year? No, you weren't at mid south. No. I just expect the pace at Unbound 100 this year to be very very high, and I just expect the field to be very deep too. What do you expect them to finish in? I would hope. I, I think. What did you guys do last year? Five, fifteen. Well, that's kind of why I'm. That's kind of why I'm asking you. Because yeah, I think that. I I think that this year you're probably going to look at like, four forty five. That's like interesting. That's, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. That's. I mean, it was a windy year last year, um, and so I finished third, and I finished in four and a half hours with a flat. So, oh, four and a half. Okay, so I might have gone... I mean, five and a half. Oh, Sorry. okay. I was like, five wait, I did my research totally wrong then. So, it, yeah, I did my thought I process. My thought process there is just that I think it's going to be a, a much more deep field, so it's going to be a bigger group later in the race. Yeah, but which, the, there's so many things that can change it. And Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, a pretty, it was a pretty deep field last year. Like, it, and, and so, 
it's when it's when the guy like just because they're a bunch of fit guys doesn't mean that they know how to ride gravel and oh, so absolutely. like for example like they let me ride away the first 10 miles in so i was by myself for 70 miles so by mile 80 is when steven hyde bridged up to me and then mm-hmm. steven hyde rode everybody off his wheel in the technical section yeah and i think this is just kind of the natural development of any sort of event the more popular and the more clout we'll say it gets the more depth you're going to get in the field anyway like we might even be having people that traditionally might be doing the 200 but are making the same kind of judgment call as me making doing the 100 so it'll be really interesting to see um but basically that's the field that we're looking to put our guest riders into unless they specifically request going into the other fields we can accommodate there too and it'll be interesting too i think even the dynamic in the the pit stops at unbound is something we want to perfect we'll call it i think you only get one in the 100 yeah you only get one in the 100 but i think just being as prepared as we can in there has that's just having i mean that's picking up two bottles and move on well i think we want to also have something along the lines of having a mechanic there for any sort of situation that that? oh yeah you can have i mean like last year people were replacing wheel sets so i think we'll probably do the same thing we'll have extra wheels ready to go i didn't think you could accept a different a wheel change you so can accept is, a, you can change anything except for the frame of your bike you oh. have to finish on the same frame that you started on okay so we'll have a mechanic like fully on standby and a lot of it is honestly we're just still doing it as a dress rehearsal for next year yeah so we're bringing this we're just gonna see what happens like see all right this, was this a disaster or what but we'll have a mechanic there we'll have you know vision wheel sets on standby if a rider comes in with x problem the idea is that we can fix the the problem and then if they come in and we can't fix it all right that's what we learned yeah we need to compensate for whatever that is but yeah it's the and the, which is an interesting thing when you can change that much on a bike you have the ability to kind of really dictate a lot of support versus traditionally like a, a normal gravel race people might have done there is no you can't bring your own support to it there's just neutral aid stations which will have you know your traditional you know goo bottle and some goo gels there that you can just grab and go and that's it. And then maybe there's a neutral mechanic at one of them. Unbound is really different where there's, I don't think that there was any neutral aid stations for the 100 last year, was there? For the 100? Yeah, there's just one. It's uh, at the Yeah, there's just the 50 mile one. Yeah, the 200 had like water oasis where they just had like a big water hose, um, which I would call kind of neutral. And then there was two of the, your own support at the aid stations. Yeah, so we could take support at the 50 miles. Yeah. Um, and most people just switched bottles and moved on. Yeah, I mean, 100 miles, I can get why. Like, you know, 200, especially with 200, they're, the gap between, there's like from 70 to 150. So they had to really load up between the two. Yeah. Uh, and you weren't really hitting anything in between. So, you know, yeah. grab your sandwiches, grab your camelback, and so on. But that'll kind of be an interesting one for us to look at. And then we also have guest rider spots for, it looks like, Big Sugar, we'll have two, and Rad Dirt, we're going to have two there also. Sweet. So we just No, that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, guys, if you are listening and, you know, you want to find your way into Unbound, this is your guy. I mean, this uh, there's no real easier way to get into Unbound, I would think, unless, you know, you you can't figure it out. So I'll put a link in the description below of how they can reach out to you, maybe on social media. Um, But before we let you go um what's you know if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual dead or alive who would that individual be and then how would you take your coffee uh that's a good question i was reading 
the movable feast the other day with Ernest Hemingway, and uh-huh. in it, he was talking about like going to the Paris Velodrome and betting on the track cyclists there. And yeah. I, don't know, I, was thinking, I was like, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I think it'd be fun to go to the Paris Velodrome with him and drink coffee and bet on cyclists. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, cool, man. No, that's awesome, guys. Cool concept. I'm like, we should bring that back. Like, Vegas should get a freaking velodrome so we can bet on match spreads. No, I, I mean, I know they still do it here in Belgium, but um, but yeah, they're betting on everything in Belgium. But uh, I think it's anyways to bet on. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be sick, especially with the sprinters. Oh um, yeah, with those mass sprints, or even like the do the are the one Ks on the track? Are those like they do with the IP where there's one person on each side also, or are one Ks? No, it's usually straight up because in a pursuit, like the goal is like you can catch the individual mm-hmm. um, and you're actually racing the individual that you're against. Whereas in the uh, in the kilo, you're really just racing off of time. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. So. I don't know. Track cycling is really one of those interesting ones for me where I just, you don't get it or I don't, I haven't done it enough to understand all the different disciplines and all the different races. Like yeah, the, yeah. the Madison with the handholding. Yeah. But anyone who hasn't done it looks at that and goes, well, what is happening right now? Why are they holding hands? It's it's um it's honestly controlled chaos at its finest. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. And you're crushing yeah, it with your team too. Yeah, yeah. No, we're 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 doing the best we can. Um like yeah, right now we're in Belgium, um, which is pretty awesome. And uh, one of your race... local guys, um Lance Lance Abshire. Yes. I'm sorry, Lance, I blanked on your last name there. No worries. I see him all the time. He's under the CU program here in Colorado and phenomenal road program for any like high school or junior kids looking for what college to go to. Like Pat, the coach for CMU, if you're a road cyclist, he's like, that's the program to go to for college. Yeah. I have, I have two kids from CMU. I have, uh, Ian Anderson and I have, uh, uh, Lance Epshire. Yeah. And they're absolutely, cause they do all the local road stuff for Colorado region too. So we see them like, it really shows the kind of the, the levels to the game when you see the team like that show up, you know, with a full strategy and then the ability to follow in on their strategy. It's very impressive. Yeah. So yeah. No, I'm stoked for them. Cause I mean, they'll, they'll come to the road with us in May and they'll race some road with us in May and race some track with us this summer. And, uh, they're developing on the track. And so I'm really excited to bring them out. So you're domestic elite also. So will you guys go to like pro road nats and, um uh possibly i mean like there's talks of me doing the berlin uh six day or three day or whatever it is now and so like there's a possibility that we'll do that um yeah it's just all dependent on the track stuff and we're racing all the world cups with the team so trying to figure out what fits and what doesn't fit is really the huge thing um but yeah i mean like i'm not supposed i'm not slotted to be back in colorado until august and it's oh wow so quite a while. The, the UCI backed walk to their, their stance on um, teams like yours being able to go to World Cups and whatnot. Yeah, they not only back walked it, but they added an event. They added events for us to start. Oh, okay. So well, that's – it was so weird when they were crazy. doing that. It felt, it felt very, like, backwards to slow kind of the – Well, I kind of understand it, and, like, that's a whole podcast for another day, but it's like uh, – um, yeah, we're just following the rules. Like, I mean, if they're going to allow us to start and we want to start, like we'll take the opportunity. I mean, I don't I don't know how I feel about it, especially as a as, you know, this isn't the Olympics that we're talking about here. Like 
um, if we come in and we score points, you know, those points don't go to any other nation, but our trade team. So like we don't even score points for the U S so what do your whole, trade team do with points when it collects them or, or do they just account for nothing? We, it counts for our, uh, like our individual ranking and then it counts for our, uh, team ranking. Okay. So your team is ranked now against the nations or again, like against team against US. the other teams. Yeah. Interesting. So will you guys also do individual events or are you mainly a sprint team? We're not a sprint team at all. Oh no. Um, but, but yeah, we'll do individual events. Um, I mean the Omnium and mm, points races, scratch races. Will you guys do like the 4k, uh, team pursuit? We will not do the team pursuit. Oh, that's my favorite uh, event just, on the track. Yeah. I just don't have the infrastructure and the time and the training for it. Um, the infrastructure is nuts that goes into that one. Yeah. I need about, I need about $2 million. If I had $2 million, I could make it happen. You think, Oh, I always thought it would be about like a hundred K per rider, but I guess like the equipment cost just, I mean, the equipment, well, equipment cost 40 K equipment, time, time, equipment, time, travel, mm. um, salaries, track time. Like, I mean, we know we like, for example, I traveled here with three bikes. Yeah. That's, so it's, it's just a lot. It's a people, lot. Like from traveling all around the world with a triathlon bike, I, I can, definitely empathize with how much of a pain in the ass it is. I mean, and I can't yeah. imagine doing three. And I know with track bikes, you guys bring gazillion different sets of wheels, all the chain rings you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So we have, we have like four sets of wheels for spares and, um, we have extra tires. We have glue in case we flat and pay mechanics to glue on. You have to like, replace a track tire. Cause those aren't as thick as road tires. How easy or how hard? How often you have to replace a track tire. Oh, I mean, usually you just replace it before you go to the race, right? So, like, we'll replace tires. I mean, like, after this block, I'll have a new set of tires on all my wheels. Okay, so you'll do, like, a full block of racing with one set of tires before you have to replace them? Roundabout, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was, like, every day you had to put a new tubular on there. No, they're a little easier. They're a little easier to flat, though, because they're so thin. But Oh, well, that's, like, that's still, I think definitely anyone who's watching needs to make sure they follow your guys' team on instagram and social and you guys even have a club option for people to join and support you through that as well yeah 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 no so we got it yeah we got a club um 50 bucks anybody can join and i mean if you're a team and you're not doing that yet i don't know what you're doing but um i think it's cool because it creates creates fans and does all that all that good stuff but plus you guys yeah, like, like, your guys's helmets are not ones that anyone will miss never ever man never ever and that's that's what we wanted to do so but Anyways, um, guys, thank you so much. Uh, if you haven't already, please make sure you go check out Chris's social media page. I'll also put a link down in the description below for Diamond Factory where you guys can message them. If, if you're a male or a female that you know thinks they can be competitive at Unbound or wants to do Unbound at this point, I would say shoot Chris a message. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, we'll uh, see you next time. Cheers.